Welcome to the Living Faith Fellowship Conference podcast. The Living Faith Fellowship is a peer network of like-minded churches united under a single biblical authority and one common mission. You're about to hear a message from one of the many conferences hosted by the Living Faith Fellowship every year. We pray it's a blessing. Okay. Thank you guys so much for letting me share with you. Uh, I have felt, you know, the past couple of months since Christine asked uh, me to share, I've felt just the weight of this session. And um, I know personally ladies who are preparing to go, who are feeling that call in their life and they don't have a husband. And, uh, and so I just, you know, it's a burden of mine to minister uh, to you guys. And uh, I'm just, yeah, humbled to be able to talk with you and share, kind of just open up my life and share with you what I've experienced the past three and a half years. Um, I will say the transition is still fresh for me, and it's also the last day of Mission Focus, so I am exhausted. I don't know about y'all, but like by the end, there's so much like just being social. I work from home, so I'm used to like 10 hours a day being by myself, you know. And so here I've been just loving all of the fellowship. Um, but yeah, if I get emotional, you know, just cry with me. And uh, also, if you guys need a nap, just fall asleep. And like, I totally, I'm, I'm not going to wake you up. Just be at peace. So. <laughs> okay, so I titled this Single Women in Missions uh, kind of as a joke, because like the last two mornings have been very like married and people with kids. Uh, which have been awesome, by the way, and I have loved hearing Mindy's uh, just sessions. I actually had to miss the first one, and I was bummed that the recordings weren't posted already, so I have to go back and listen to that. But um, but yeah, so I, I want to talk with you guys a little bit about my experience. You know, when Christine called me a couple months ago and asked uh, to share, I began, uh, you know, praying if I should say yes. Uh, you know, I'm I'm kind of fresh in this transition. It feels, I know it's three and a half years, but it still feels fresh. And, uh, you know, still a lot of things that I'm processing and that, uh, you know, I, I'm still learning uh, how to be a part of a church planting team, still learning, uh, you know, what it is God wants me to do and and how to be a help to them. And uh, so, you know, yeah, I just kind of prayed and laid it before the Lord. And, uh, you know, I was in Philemon, and uh, so this was right after uh, Christine and I talked. I hung up and I was like, all right, I got to pray about this. So I just I laid it out before the Lord. I was like, God, what do you want me to do? Is this something that I should say yes to, to sharing? And this is what I heard. Uh, so I was in Philemon. You know, it says, we have great joy and consolation in thy love because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee. And then Philemon 120, yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. And so I was like, man, I got to go refresh some bowels. So, <laughs> so that's why I'm here. God confirmed it the first day that I prayed about it. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, I see. So I hope that this is encouraging to you guys. Um, you know, okay, so after I found out, okay, I got to go refresh some bowels, uh, then, you know, the following couple months, I've been praying and uh, really seeking the Lord on, okay, what do I talk about? I mean, there's so many things to talk about uh, and so many relationships that we have 
uh, even as singles, you know, you don't, you got a couple obvious ones that are missing, no husband, no kids. Uh, so that makes my session maybe a little easier in some regards. Uh, but, you know, we have a relationship with God. We've got our relationship with the church planter, the pastor, with his wife. We have relationships with the church planting team. Um, and, you know, we have relationships with those you leave behind at your sending church, your friends, your family, your support. Uh, you have your Paul and your Timothys. Um, and eventually you're going to have relationships with people you meet on the field. And, you know, and then you have relationships with lost people, your coworkers. Uh, if you're single, you're probably going to have dating relationships. Uh, so I kind of thought, what wouldn't it be funny if all I talked about was dating? Like what dating on the field is like? <laughs> Like, I kind of wanted to do that, but I was like, that's not going to be profitable. <laughs> but, uh, you know, most of the people that go that are single, they want to get married. Like, I want to get married someday. So y'all need to be praying for my, my future husband. Yeah, I pray that he shows up somewhere. So, uh, but yeah, so there's a lot of relationships. Uh, and so, you know, I'm just laying this out before the Lord. God, what, what do I talk about? Um, and so, you know, I was in Philemon. So then I was in Hebrews, because that's the book that comes after Philemon. And, you know, in Hebrews, it's all about how Jesus is better. You know, Jesus is better than the Old Testament ways. He's better than every human relationship we have. And, uh, you know, it talks about how we got to enter into his rest. And we got to seek him. We got to hear his voice. Um, and, you know, later it talks about the verse that, you know, all the single people, we get contentment because he said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. And, and then I started reading in James and because that comes after Hebrews. And then, uh, so then it's talking about in, uh, James two twenty three. it talks about how Abraham was called the friend of God. And then at the end of the book in chapter four, it says that we're to draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to us. And then I was in first Peter, uh, cause that comes after James. And, uh, and it, you know, at the end, it says that we're supposed to cast all of our care on him because uh, he cares for us. And uh, that's so sweet that he cares for us, you know. Uh, and then I was in Second Peter, and it says that grace and peace. You know, so this is Second Peter 1, 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and, our, and of Jesus our Lord. It's like, man, yeah, we get grace and peace because we know God. Uh, and then, and then I read first, second, and third John, and it was just sweet to think. Okay, that first chapter, first John. You guys know what first John's about? Oh yeah, Mac. What's first John about? That is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Anything else? Walking in light. It gives us starts with an F. Forgiveness and. Maybe it's just me. Oh, yeah, fellowship. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, I always like, you know, there's people who like, they have a word and then they want you to get it, but there's a lot of right answers. I just did that and I hate it when people do that. I'm so sorry. Especially the kids. Yeah, I really put you on the spot. <laughs> fellowship. Yeah. So, okay. So we have fellowship with God. It talks about in that first chapter how our fellowship with God allows us to have fellowship with one another. And I was and then I was like, "Oh, I know what I got to talk about. I got to talk about our relationship with God. As single ladies, like 
we have to have a deep personal relationship with God because uh, he's the one that sustains us and he fulfills we, he fulfills the desires we have for a relationship with a man, honestly. And uh, so, yeah. So I was looking at that. I was like, okay. Um, I know what God wants me to talk about, uh, you know, and, and looking at, you know, just the fellowship issue, my, my relationship with my pastor and with my team, uh, you know, I'm going to be able to submit to my pastor if I'm having good fellowship with God. And I'm going to be able to submit to the church planting team if I'm having fellowship with God. And, you know, I'm going to be able to do ministry if I have fellowship with God because I'm in his rest. I'm not going to get tired and worn out. So, okay, so all of this, uh, yeah, that's what I'm going to talk about. So, but this is women in missions. So we're going to read uh, Matthew 8, 28, 18 to 20. Um, and I want to encourage you guys throughout today that God really is with you always, even unto the end of the world. Um, so let's read Matthew 28, 18 to 20. It says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in an earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Yeah, this is the comfort. You know, that last verse there. So Jesus is telling his disciples to go and to make disciples and to evangelize. And like, this is this is the mission that we have. This is why we're doing what we're doing. You know, we're we're being ministers of reconciliation to the world. And uh, and he gives them a comfort, you know. He doesn't say, like, in this passage that he's going to give us, uh, you know, a husband. <laughs> he doesn't say that he's going to give us, uh, you know, I don't know, whatever else we want, a house. I've been looking at houses in Boston. It's a joke. I don't think I'm going to own one of those ever. They're so expensive. <laughs> but uh, it's fun that I get Zillow postings now. Uh, of houses that are for sale, they're like you know three point two million for a two bedroom. And I'm like, <laughs> good one. <laughs> but you know his comfort. So this is his comfort. Jesus gave his disciples just one comfort that he would be with them. That's all we need to know. You know that could be the end of this session is just knowing that he is with you. He actually is with you. You have to believe that. Um, and that's something that God's been showing me recently. It's just the need to have genuine faith, that unfeigned faith that Mindy was telling us about. We have to have that and know that he's with us. Um, so, okay. I don't know where I'm at in my notes, but, you know, here we go. All right. I'm going to show you this chart. Okay. I'm an engineer. I love charts. Um, I stole this one from this book called Serving as Senders Today. And uh, it's a book that all y'all will read if you're in LFBI, because it's one of the missions books. Uh, and so I thought that this chart was just, you know, I looked at it and then I laughed because it was so true, like to how I was feeling. And then this week I keep showing people uh, this chart. And like I showed Kathy Bell and she just started laughing because it's true. And uh, so it kind of 
good uh, affirmation, but this is this line that's going up and down. It, it represents the physical, emotional, mental, spiritual life timeline of missionaries and their team. So it's not just for you, but kind of know for those of you who aren't going that this is what your missionaries are probably going through. And this is a good like times of when we can really pray for them. Um, so the first part, I'm doing a lot of like clumping together in this. So the first part I'm calling uh, calling and preparation. So that's A through C and D. Uh, and then E, I couldn't think of anything better to call it, so I just called it the pit of despair. <laughs> like, this is when you're really going through the slumps. Isabel, you know the pit of despair? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, and then part F here. Okay, we're finally, we get, we get come out of the pit of despair, and then we just watch God do the work. And uh, so I feel like that pit was pretty recent for me. Uh, so. We'll see how it comes out in today, but but yeah, highly recommend this book. And uh, let's start going through the calling and preparation part. I got some fun photos for you guys. All right, so I pulled my family's picture out of the 1993 church directory. <laughs> Look at Blake. This is Blake's side bottom. Look at his ears. I just love it. And my mom's got the same haircut, so I just love that too. She's rocking it. Um, so this is the family that I grew up in. Uh, three brothers and parents. My parents are awesome examples of people who love God and who have opened their home time and time again for ministry. And, uh, you know, Mindy was talking about uh, Timothy and how he followed the faith of his grandmother and his mother. And I really am blessed because uh, God gave me really awesome parents and grandparents. Th these are my grandparents, uh, Don and Phyllis Sidebottom. They've both gone on to be with the Lord at this point, but uh, but just look at my grandma in this picture. You know, grandpa is posing for the picture. Grandma is legit reading the Bible right here. Like, she's probably saying, Don, get out of the way. I'm trying to read. You know, like her faith. So they were in Ethiopia for, uh, oh, like probably over 50 years. Um, and and their testimony greatly impacted me. Um, it was actually her funeral that uh, I really started seriously praying, God, would you have me be a part of missions in some way? Um, I'll, I'll never forget after her funeral, my grandpa had Alzheimer's at the end of his life. And so it was really bad after grandma passed. And uh, But he had this moment of clarity in our living room and he was saying, you know, grandma and I have been praying for someone in our family to uh, respond to a call of missions on their life. And he's like, I really believe you and Blake are the answer. Yeah. So, yeah, I love them. I'm thankful for them. But that's where that start of kind of a stirring in my heart for missions began. And then I came to Kaya. And look at this fun old 10-year-old picture here. We got Andrew Ong, of course, in the front. Um, <laughs> Blake now has long hair to cover up those ears, so that was good for him. Uh, <laughs> I can say all that he's my brother. If people didn't know, yeah. Um, so, so yeah. So I come into Kaya in, in 2013, and not long after getting here, I see Lucy go to Tampa. Um, and so you know, Mark and Astrid, they they plan a church in Tampa, and Lucy. When I came into uh, ministry, I 
immediately plugged into her Bible study because it was the Kaya girls Bible study at the time. So those of you who are in Kaya now, you know, there's like a billion Bible studies. There used to be one for the ladies and Lucy was the leader. So, uh, so I got to see her example. And uh, over the years, I've really gotten close with Lucy. I've gotten way closer with her over the last three and a half years than before. And uh, I'm very thankful for her example. Um, Back, I'm not even using these notes. So, all right, around the same time as like seeing Lucy go and, uh, you know, going to my grandma's funeral and just kind of seeing her testimony, man. Uh, I also took a missions class in LFBI. So, uh, Jeff Brock taught it and he started giving practical tips uh, for people who are considering the field, you know, things like I think uh, Sam shared this a little bit last night. You know, just like the simple stuff, like getting out of debt, uh, you know, paying off your student loans, uh, get involved in several different ministry, like this ministry things at your church. And that was huge for me to hear this. Um, do AV and how to be in hospitality and, oh, yeah, like just all the ministries you think of. When you start a church plant, you know, there's only like three for people to do everything. So you just end up doing it all. And uh, so it was really good to see people who had years of experience. So I wasn't just floundering whenever I got to Boston. I maybe would have been relying on my parents to help with, you know, as a single lady in your 20s. Um, there's just like adulting things that maybe you haven't done yet. I just encourage you to learn how to be independent because what you don't want to do is get to the field and, uh, and then be like, oh, Pastor Mike, can you hang up this picture frame for me? You know, like, <laughs> I don't want him to have to worry about that. Like I can do that. So, uh, I will say he helped me buy a car in Boston and bless his heart. He is a wonderful pastor. So I'm thankful for that. Um, okay, so calling in preparation. Yesterday, there was an awesome question about how do you know when you're called? Um, and so I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about, you know, that season with all those pictures and uh, some of the things that I learned during that time. So one of the things is I learned that there's a difference between a burden, a need, and a calling. Um, Proverbs 31, 16 says, she considereth a field and buyeth it with the fruit of her hand, she planteth a vineyard. Um, you know, when Lucy went to Tampa and Mark and Astrid, uh, I, that was my first mission trip was to go visit them. And I absolutely loved it. And I saw the need that they had because it was just them. Like, it was just like one family and one other person. And, uh, and I was burdened, you know, really burdened. And so I started praying earnestly, God, I know I like just got to Midtown, but should I move to Tampa? Because I was burdened, you know, and uh, God just kept saying no. As much as Astrid and Lucy played the Holy Ghost and kept trying to tell me to just come. <laughs> uh, every time I read about it, it was just God was like, I need to get prepared. Um, and then in in 2015, I went on a mission trip to Taiwan, which was awesome. 10 out of 10 recommend going there at some point. Um, and again, I had 
lucky because there were there were students in Taiwan that had never heard any Bible. They didn't know who Satan was. They didn't know about sin. Like they didn't know that you can have a God where you pray and then he answers your prayers. Like, you know, there is definitely a burden and a need, but there is no there's no calling on my life to go there. Um and there wasn't really an open door either. You know, we weren't planning a church there. Um, and then in 2017, Dan, Pastor Dan, he, uh, like here at Midtown, we all were about it. And I got to be honest with you, I had, I, I saw the need, didn't really have a burden for the burbs, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thankfully, Carla went over there, so we got we got several Lee Summit ladies actually representing in the house. So praise God for them; they can minister to the suburbanites. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so then, you know, but I did genuinely consider it with God: should I go with him? And God was like, "No, you need to stay." And then in 2019, Mike starts talking about Boston. I don't really know Mike that well uh, at this point. I I knew Gabrielle; his he was in my Bible study. Um, but I just remember when he was sharing about the college students, like, I was like, okay, I hear you, God. Uh, I think I need to really consider this. And uh, so I, you know, it was at Mission Focus, and he was sharing about, you know, the 250,000 college students in Boston. At the time, I had a Bible study at a university, and uh and I had this map in my journal of like all of the universities in Missouri, cause I'm a nerd and I'm an engineer. So I have like maps that I write out. So, and I just got like, you know, in Springfield, there's several, you know, however many thousand students at uh, that university. And then there's Wash, Wash U in St. Louis. And there's, there's a, uh, I'm forgetting all the Missouri universities. Sorry, Missouri. Mizzou, the big one. Yeah, right in the middle. <laughs> that, you know, Malaya had been going there, uh, and she, I, she was someone I had discipled, so I had a burden for that university, too, and I was like, God, what would you do if you'd send people to these big college towns and start churches that made disciples, you know, and then uh, here was an opportunity where it's like putting all of those universities in Missouri, just cramming them in Kansas City, but then making Kansas City half the size, uh, land-wise, and then multiplying the number of students by four. Like, that's how many students live in Boston. And so I was thinking about that and doing the math because, you know, nerd. And I, and so I was like, okay. So I went home and I read, uh, I read some, some of Exodus. I think I'm skipping ahead a little bit here, but, uh, and, and it was like the burning bush with, you know, Moses and he sees the, the burning bush and he's like oh I'll turn aside and look at this and so I felt like God was just asking me to kind of look at it a little bit you know take some time and look at it um and so there's that was a, like, okay God is telling me to look at this this is different like the other ones it was I wanted to look at it like I wanted to go to to Tampa to be with my friends and to help them and uh you know to go to the beach that's warm and not freezing cold like up north um but this was one that God was in, and it kind of shook me a little bit, um, and I took it a little bit more seriously. Um, but as, you know, as I'm learning this difference between a burden, a need, and a calling, uh, part A again, look at that, <laughs> snuck up on me. 
So we got A and A. God brings us to a point of willingness to go as we genuinely consider real fields and opportunities. So like our fellowship, God is doing a work and there's real opportunities for ladies to go out. And as you're considering these opportunities, God's going to be asking you if you're really willing. Um, and, you know, something like mission focused conferences, something God was kind of stirring in my heart uh, was things like, are you really willing to leave your parents in their old age, like to not be able to take care of them? Uh, are you really willing to miss your nephews growing up? You know, um, I didn't have nieces then. I'm still counting the costs because now I got two nieces. It's hard to be away from them, man. Um, you know, he was asking me, are you really willing to leave your siblings and the fellowship and the praise at your home church? Um, and just close friendships. You develop such close friendships in ministry um, and just disciples. It's hard to leave the people that I had invested and I poured my life into and now I'm just going to up and go. So he was kind of asking me these things. And, you know, in Luke 9, uh, you see these examples of people who are trying to kind of think about missions, but really they're holding back. You know, you keep seeing like in verse 59, he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. You know, he wanted to stay until his parents had died. Uh, and then Jesus, he was kind of harsh. He was like, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And then in verse 61, another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Um, and then we have, you know, the count the cost of discipleship passage in Luke 14. And, uh, you know, God's calling us to, to give up some things, you know, that's part of the going is the giving up. Um, says, if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it. Um, in these passages, you know, they were, God used them greatly uh to stir in my heart like am i really willing to do this am i really willing to give this up um and that's good that's good for you to do that to have those conversations with god um to be honest with him to lay out your heart before him and ask him to show you what am i not willing to give up can you show me that um, yeah it's really good there's a, another book, this one. Lucy showed me this one, and I'm very thankful. Uh, John and Betty Stam, they were missionaries to China. Uh, spoiler alert, they were martyrs, so the end of the book is pretty sad. Um, but Betty Scott Stam, she was someone that, uh, you guys know Elizabeth Elliot? Awesome, because my next two book recommendations are hers. Um, she... Uh, she hosted, her family hosted Betty Stam when she was on her way to China. Uh, so her testimony really uh, kind of led to Elizabeth Elliot becoming a missionary. Um, and so I, I love reading her story. And um, one of her quotes in this book, she says, 
I don't know what God has in store for me. I really am willing to be an old maid missionary or an old maid anything else all of my life if God wants me to. It's as clear as daylight to me that the only worthwhile life is one of unconditional surrender to God's will and of living in his way, trusting his love and guidance. I was like, man, that is sweet. Um, I want to have her heart, you know, uh, that that type of willingness. Um, that's encouraging. Um, so, you know, as a single lady, there's things we're, we're leaving behind, you know, we're leaving behind relationships we already have, we're leaving behind our family, our friends, um, but we're also kind of handing over to the Lord the possibility of what could be. You know, I left the, the uh, what is the saying? There's plenty of fish in the sea. Well, there's only plenty of Christian fish in the seas where there are Christian men. <laughs> yeah, when I went to Boston, they're all lost, all lost men. So that's not going to work out, you know. Uh, but you really feel that when you get to the field. You feel If you feel single now, when you get there, you feel sing more single, more, you know, like a lot of it. And uh, so, you know, this is something that's good to talk with God now about in your preparation. Um, surrender that to God and trust him. I'm not going to lie, I've been on a few dates since I've moved to Boston. So God is moving. <laughs> not the not the right guy yet, but it gives hope. So just going to throw that out there. It is a little trickier, though. Not gonna lie, but uh, but yeah, but having that heart of willingness and giving that over to God and just knowing that He's gonna take care of you. If He wants you to get married one day, you'll probably get married, but maybe not. Maybe going it really does make it more difficult. Um, all right, C. If that's not A again, all right. <laughs> make sure that the calling is confirmed by your pastor, your church, and in the word of God. And I think Mindy talked about this uh, at some point this week. Um, write down the passages that God shows you. You know, you're laying your heart before him in the preparation when you're getting the calling. You're sharing with him everything that's on your mind and on your heart. And you're going to want to know that he is calling you. Because if you're going, like, and it's just you really want to go, you you're probably going to move back honestly it's going to get really hard and uh we're about to talk about the pit of despair so you're going to want to look back at <laughs> your passage my passage for me personally i talked about the beginning of exodus earlier but ruth too i remember i was sitting in my blue chairs um how many of you guys have sat in my blue chairs max sat in my blue chairs yeah I, yeah I, they have come with me everywhere I've lived. Yeah. Uh, my parents bought them the year I was born. These are miracle chairs, guys. <laughs> They're still in my apartment now. So I was sitting in a blue chair in my house in Waldo, and I was praying. I had been considering Boston for about a year at this point. And I knew God wanted me to consider it. I had had many conversations with my pastors and leaders, uh, but... I also went to a neighborhood cafe with Lucy and uh, she, I was asking her, you know, have you ever doubted if God called you? And she was like, 
no. Uh, because I have a journal, and in it is a passage that God gave me in my preparation, and I go back to that often. When you feel like quitting, you feel like this is too much, uh, did I do the right thing? Was this the right move in my life? Um, I go back to this. You know, I go back to what God said on that day. And I remember sitting there, and I was having my quiet time. I made it through chapter one. I was going into chapter two, and I was like, God, what do you want me to do? Like, I was kind of frustrated a little bit because uh, I had been praying for a year, and I was like, God, I'm willing. I'm willing to stay. Like, that's how, like, that was where I was at. I was like, um, you know, I really, I want to go, um, but I'm willing to stay or I'm willing to go. I just want you to tell me what to do. And these are the next verses that uh, he showed me. Uh, it says, and Boaz answered and said to her, it hath fully been shown me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother in the land of thy nativity and art come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel under whose wings thou art come to trust. And uh, I was like, all right. Well, I guess I'm going to go. <laughs> that was it. That was all I needed to hear from him. And I knew this is, okay, this is the calling. This is what I should do. Um, yeah. Um, recap real quick. A, B, and C. Here we go. The B made it. So the difference between a burden to need and a calling, God brings us to a point of willingness as we genuinely consider the fields that are before us. And then we're going to make sure that our calling is confirmed. We're going to need to look back at that. So, okay, so we made it through A, B, C. I think the was like, you know, around the time of that frustrating prayer. Uh, but, and then, okay, there is part D. Now, part D for me was really short. I'm going to say that because, and it's different for every person. Uh, so this is date of departure is what it says. And then reality sets in. So here's like you first get to your field and you're like, oh, there's Chinatown. Like, that's exciting. That's really cool. And then you go there, you try out all the new food. You gain like 20 pounds because you're trying all the new food. And, uh, and, then, and then one day you wake up and you're like, this isn't a vacation. I'm not going home. Like, this is for good now. This is where I live. And, uh, and it's, you know, the reality starts to set in of, oh, okay. The, yeah, this is this is real. Uh, so after that honeymoon stage, however long or short that is, um, the reality sets in, and your flesh is gonna want some comfort. You know, you're gonna want to go back to the comforts you had before. And uh, so Psalm 71. This is something that I learned many years ago uh, when I first came to Midtown. And it was just learning how to make God your escape. And I'm glad that I learned it then. Um, God has retaught me that, honestly. Um, you know, my flesh, like, whenever I'm overwhelmed or, like, wanting comfort, my first go-to is I want to watch a movie. I want to shut it out. I want to watch some TV, work through some series. Um, I want to call someone you know I want to lean on friends which don't get me wrong friends are good like we have the body to help us but they cannot be what we lean solely on um 
that will destroy your friendships and um you have to go to god uh psalm 71 1 through 5 in thee o lord do i put my trust let me never be put to confusion deliver me in thy righteousness and cause me to escape incline thine ear unto me and save me be thou my strong habitation whereunto i may continually resort thou hast given commandment to save me for thou art my rock and my fortress deliver me o god O my god out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and cruel man. For thou art my hope, O Lord God. Thou art my trust from my youth. You know, he wants to be that for you. Um, and you have to let him be that for you. Um, so when you get there, when the reality sets and you want comfort, remember that he's with you. What we talked about at the beginning, he really is with you. Uh, and you have to go to him. He wants you to go to him with those things, uh, with that Ooh, oh shoot moment, right? Okay. The pit. Okay, the pit of despair. The second thing, loneliness. <laughs> it's lonely, guys. Yeah, it's pretty lonely. Okay, so loneliness is something that everyone on your team is going to feel that. It doesn't matter if they're married or not. You know, your team is going to be lonely because you're used to the fellowship of your sending church and you're used to having your friends that you grew up with and um it's just lonely on the field and there's an added sense of loneliness when satan is attacking you in this pit of despair you are meeting the world your flesh and the devil like they're right there um and and you know the enemy wants us to uh have self-pity he wants us to to kind of hide away and just be like, oh, it's so lonely. It's so hard. Um, this book uh, is my favorite. I think this is my favorite book uh, outside of the Bible. This is the one. It's called The Path of Loneliness by Elizabeth Elliot. And I, so I read this. I started reading this book when I first moved. And then I was like, oh, this doesn't apply to me. Because she's talking about her season of widowhood. I've never been married before. Like, you know. So, so I put it down. I read it like a year or two ago, and then I was like, I should have read it when I first moved. Man, it's so good. But uh, so she says in this book, loneliness is a wilderness, but through receiving it as a gift, accepting it from the hand of God and offering it back to him with thanksgiving, it may become a pathway to holiness, to glory, and to God himself. Guys, that loneliness when you're on the field is a gift to you. Um, and it doesn't feel like it at first feels very difficult um but if you trust god to teach you through that how to draw near to him like this is something kathy mel and i were talking the other night about one of the biggest blessings of going to a field and going through this pit of despair is that you really your relationship with god has changed you are not the same person that you were before you went you have to draw near to god um, because you're going through these emotions and changes and all of your comforts have been stripped away. And, you know, we, we have to see this as a gift from God that he's going to use part E in your life to draw you to him. And that has to happen uh, because he wants to get he wants to get glory. You know, he wants to see you abiding with him so that your fruit isn't from you because your fruit is going to be terrible. Like our flesh is awful. 
And if we, our flesh is producing fruit, that we don't want that. We actually don't want that on the field at all. Like, I don't want any part of me to be reproduced. I only want what's in the word of God and the, the things that are holy. That's what I want reproduced. Um, so, yeah, this is an opportunity for us to draw near to God. Um, okay. Take a picture of this. This is the practical part. Let me get out of the way. Just <laughs> um, these are some things, you know, I stole this from this book. I also stole it from uh, some other things that I've been listening to, things that God has uh, shown me. These are very practical things for you, okay? So the first thing, when you're feeling lonely, and this will happen, it doesn't matter if you're married or not, you're going to feel lonely, um, arrange stillness to meet with God, okay? That doesn't just happen because when you're tired and you're overwhelmed and things on the field happen and you want to relax, you know, Netflix is there uh, for you, um, but you got to arrange stillness to meet with God. So you got to like cancel that subscription, really just don't even, <laughs> don't have it. And uh, so be intentional with God. Um, offer your loneliness to God as a sacrifice. Refuse self-pity. I whipped out Mac and I's favorite uh, Elizabeth Elliot quote, self-pity is demonic. Um, it is, though. Like, just don't dwell there. Refuse it. Um, do something nice for someone else. Someone else on your team is going through the same emotions. You know, they're also on this graph with you. So, you know, do something nice for them. Uh, meet up with them. Talk to them. Uh, do something nice for someone you left behind. Write them a letter. My nephews and I sometimes will write letters, and it's so cute because they can't write. And uh, so, you know, there's just, like, pictures and stuff. Uh, but Cole, my youngest uh, nephew, he he did this, like, like paint dabbing thing. And then on the inside, he, uh, he had my sister-in-law write uh, the B-I-B-L-E. That's all it said. And I was like, this is the best card I've ever gotten. <laughs> it's so good. But yeah, do something nice for someone else. Write a card. Call someone. Uh, you know, for uh, I remember when we first got there, Meredith really liked uh, this like white cheese dip that the Mexican restaurants have here. And I didn't find it anywhere. So I kept like ordering DoorDash. It was in the middle of COVID, so you couldn't go anywhere. So I kept ordering DoorDash uh, and finally found the white cheese dip that Meredith liked. And, like, I just felt so accomplished when I was like, here you go, Meredith. I found it. <laughs> the cheese dip exists here. And now they live down the street from that restaurant. So God really provided there, guys. Um, part five, remember you're not alone. The Lord is with you. And you have people to reach out to. Like, that's something that I forget because I'm just there and I'm like, oh, man, like, I'm alone. I, I mean, I'm like, I, I know I got God. But I, I sometimes I forget that there's people here I can reach out to. And I'm just don't think to reach out to them. Um, I was talking to Joni Weaver. This would have been that first year I was in Boston and I uh, had an assignment for mission. So I was interviewing a missionary. So I asked Joni, you know, question being there and, um, you know, about her relationships with people back home. And she was like, you know, she's like, I know that they're there. You know, we might not keep up every day like we used to, but I know that they're there and I can reach out if I need. And I was like, that is awesome. That's a great perspective to have. Um, part six, give thanks. You know, thank God for this season. Thank God for the loneliness because you're drawing nearer to him. 
uh, pray for the people that you miss. This is something that I did almost every night for a season because I was missing my girls. Man, it was difficult to be away from my Bible study, the ladies that I left here. And uh, I just remember there was a season where every night before I went to bed, I'd just thumb through the Pauline epistles. I'd read that first chapter of each one because uh, that's where Paul is just talking about how he misses he misses them. He misses the people he invested in and he prays for them. And he's like, I thank God for you. Every time I think of you, I, I make mention of you in my prayers. And um, and so I just had to kind of cling to Paul's season of loneliness too and see what he did. You know, he, he would pray for the people that he left behind. And uh, I was like, that that is sweet. Um, so yeah, when you get to the field, just go through those Pauline epistles, look at Paul's heart um and how he dealt with his loneliness too and then part eight go make some disciples that's the fun part uh go meet people go like i remember some of my first friends in boston they were crazy doctrinally just like all over the place but i i found a couple people who were christians and it was encouraging to me i was like wow you believe the bible and you live in boston cool so we there and talk and then I'd be like your doctrines everywhere but I still am just thankful that you believe in Jesus like this is encouraging uh but yeah but making those disciples that's that's encouraging okay part c for the pit feeling overwhelmed burnt out or discouraged this comes in ministry you know you cut you go to midtown or you go to your home church and you're serving once a month or twice a month and you're like man I'm serving God I've got kid town this week um but then you go to the field and then you realize I got kid town every week, you know, I got, or some ministry, you got one of each of the ministries every week <laughs> and you don't really ever just chill. Uh, it can get overwhelming when you're in that season or you realize, Oh, there's people at my home church that would do the website and print the invitations and plan the FOI events and plan the retreats. And now it's just, a small team to do all of that. You're like, oh Lord. Okay, so Hebrews 3 and 4. If you're doing all of these things in your flesh, you're going to burn out. Um, you, we have to be doing it out of a place of intimacy with God. Um, yeah. So if I'm feeling burnt out, I just know, okay, I got to reassess my quiet times. Am I really giving myself enough time with the Lord each day to, to give him all of my burdens and to allow him to fill me? Because that's the only way I'm going to make it through the week. You know, I've got a full-time job on top of all the ministry and responsibilities, but I still know that, okay, one perk of single ladies, you have way more time than the moms on your team. So Carla knows. You got a baby now. Look at that baby, guys, in the back. He's so cute. Okay, guys, this trip has been the tour of babies. All my friends are having babies at this point, and I just love them all. They're all so cute. Um, but yeah, yeah. Enter into his rest uh, and be thankful for the, for the time that you do have to be able to kind of take on those responsibilities too. First um, Peter 5, 8 to 11. Um, it says, I didn't put it on the thing. But I'm just going to read it to you. It says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. 
But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. But I was reading through this and just thinking about how what an encouragement is to know that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. You know, we're not the only ones that are planting churches. Um, and like earlier, I talked about Lucy. Uh, when that first year when I was in the pit, <laughs> the pit of despair, um, I would call Lucy and I'd be like, Lucy, did you ever feel like this? And she'd laugh at me because it is kind of funny. She's like, it's your turn. You know, like she was like, yeah, yeah, I did feel like that. <laughs> and so then I'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> And then I'd, you know, call her the next day and uh, be like, Lucy, did you ever experience this? You ever have this kind of a conversation with your pastor? And uh, she's like, oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, okay, I think I'm glad that you're having fun with this. But it was really encouraging to me that she knew. She just knew, you know, and you didn't have to explain anything. She just knew what it was like. And guys, this is the blessing of the Living Faith Fellowship is that we have people that know. They've been there. They've done that, you know, and this this week, honestly, has been a huge refreshment to me because I've been surrounded by women who have been there and done that. And I can just go up to them and be like, just hug them and just know that they've been there, you know, and that that's enough, you know, and they've been through it. They made it through the pit and they made it to part F. And some of the ladies here, they've been in, through the G and the H and the I, which I'm not going to cover because I've not been there. <laughs> but um. That is encouraging. And then the last thing, when you're feeling overwhelmed, burnout, or discouraged, uh, worship God. Yeah, just worship him. I lived with Adam and Heidi Merritt for a couple years when I first got there. And uh, Heidi led our worship for that season. And we're in a season of transition because they're coming back here. So you guys are blessed to have Adam and Heidi back. And uh, so we're going we're gonna to keep worshiping the Lord sadly without Heidi's beautiful voice and piano playing but uh we're gonna worship him but I just remember those days like like I would know when Heidi was having a rough day or when I was having a rough day and I'd go downstairs and she'd just be worshiping you know she'd be playing the piano singing some hymn I learned a lot of hymns when I lived with them because she knows them all and I love that um and I was like man she really is demonstrating a life of worship and I want that I want to just be worshiping, you know, um, that gets you out of that self-pity. Um, okay. Bonus reading material, (laughs) book number four. Uh, I recommend this one for, you know, you can read it before you go or you can save it and read it when you're there. Um, so this one, Elizabeth Elliott wrote it about her first year on the mission field. She went like to the middle of the jungle. So quite a different story than me going to Boston. Um, but she she writes, uh, I'm going to read you a quote here at the very beginning. Um, it says, "It so this book, it tells the story of my earliest lessons in the sovereignty of God. Three stunning ones assigned to me in the first year as a jungle missionary. One of these lessons was solely an act of God. The other two were acts of lawbreakers. In all three, however, God let me hear his clear word, trust me. So it just goes through some of the difficulties that she experienced. She had a lot of loss that first year. Uh, It was was a tough season. And 
uh, she wasn't married. She was single that year. She hadn't married Jim yet. Um, and so she talks about that. She talks about that struggle with wanting to be with him, but not being with him and uh, how slow male was in the jungle. So I can only imagine. Uh, but really good, really good book. So take that for what it is. All right, out of the pit. We can just watch God work. All right, so that pit that you went through on the field, that has deepened your relationship with Christ. Praise God for the pit, because we need that to get rid of ourselves, our flesh. Yeah, mortify that, and we draw close to God, and that's going to lead to lasting fruit. Um, so John 15, you know, that's the, the chapter about abiding with Christ and how if we abide in him, then we're going to have fruit and that's going to bring glory to God. So that's that's pretty sweet when you start seeing God work and you know it's nothing that you did. Uh, it's kind of like in spite of your flesh that just went through the pit um, and all the hard conversations you had to have with your with God. Um yeah, so we want that fruit, and fruit is really encouraging, guys. You know, Paul talks about fruit as, uh, like, you know, his disciples are his greatest joy. Like, that's where it's at, and that's what keeps you going. That's why we're moving to these places, is to share the gospel with people who don't know it, and so that they can receive Christ, they can have a relationship with him, and so when you're you know, going through the emotional parts of going and you're figuring out how that affects your relationships with people and with God. Um, look forward to the fruit. Pray for the fruit. That's what we want. We want to have fruit that can glorify God. And so that way our worship, it's not just a living room of 10 or 15 people, but we want to fill Boston with people that worship God uh, and put away the idols of the land. Um, so I put some pictures here of some fruit that has been very encouraging and very fun too. Look at these people. This is a uh, Nicole. Look at her. She's so happy. Me hiking. <laughs> and uh, we just finished discipleship earlier this year and she's in discipleship too. And she is a workman. She is in it. Like she's really allowing God to use her. And uh, she's understanding that Boston's a mission field. And I just love it. Um, Deepak here, he's going through discipleship with Pastor Mike. Uh, Jason went through discipleship with Adam Merritt. He's in D2. Isabel is in discipleship too as well right now. So we just got a lot of growing leaders right now, and it's really, really exciting. Uh, so look forward to that for those of you who are praying about going. And uh, I believe that is all that I have. We made it through the pit, guys, and part F. Praise the Lord. And um, so I'm going to open it up to questions. I think there's some time, about 15 minutes left here. Um, if, nobody cares. Yeah. And if you're like, this was the worst session I've ever sat in, you just go, you can leave and I won't be offended. <laughs> like, just be at peace. You all need to go home and sleep because we made it to the end of Mission Focus. But yeah. Um, so I'll open it up to questions. I also asked Tish Templeton. She's from Living Faith Tampa, another single woman that I've looked up to. She was my softball coach when I was younger. So we go way back. She's She's got about twice the experience on me. So 
I'm going to maybe field some questions her way. Uh, if I'm like, I, I don't know, haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> so. Oh, to use this to. Well, just if people ask a question, rephrase it. Okay. For the recording. And if you answer, if you can go speak into the little mic, then we can. I'll hold it for you. We're not capturing our questions very well. So. Okay, cool. We will repeat. So any questions? Wow. Yeah. What is your living situation like when you got developed and did you have like mm. a living space somebody like how close knit is your group? Yeah. So the question for the recording here is uh, how what was the living situation like when I first got to Boston? Um, I'm very thankful that my pastor had the mindset to to get a home that kind of acted as a launch pad for the team. And so when I first moved there, I moved into Mike and Meredith's basement. And, uh, you know, it was a small space because uh, Boston, but uh, it was very comforting to be with a family and to get to know Mike and Meredith in a way that I wouldn't have gotten to know if I didn't live with them for that season. So for about three months, I lived with them. And then when Admin Heidi Merritt moved up, they were gracious enough to let me live with them because I was not in a point in my career where I could afford to live on my own. And so while I lived with them, I got my engineering license and now I'm able to, praise God, afford an apartment. So I live, I live by myself now. Um, and I'm very thankful that I can open up my home to host and stuff like that. But um, so that's kind of how it was. But every team's different. So I think Lucy lived with the Schaefers when she went down. And then you lived with Lucy when you went down, right? Praise God. We need each other, guys. Yeah. Especially in these cities where rent is expensive. Uh, okay, any other questions? Okay. So in your teaching, you talked about things like self-pity, and that's one, and burnout, and working in your flesh. So how do you tell the difference between self-pity and burnout, dying to, dying to self, and serving the Lord, or working in your flesh? How do you sort through all those things? Okay, yeah, I like how do you know when you're in a season of burnout or self-pity? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think just in the conversations with God, like in the quiet time, everything just goes back to the quiet time. Like, God, would you search me and try me and show me why am I feeling like this? Um, and I, you know, I have had to have some just honest conversations with my pastor of, I really do think that I have too many things on my plate right now to where I can't, I can't physically do it all. And he's been very encouraging. And sometimes he's said, buckle up. Like, you know, we got to get it done. Someone has to do it. And so, you know, it's good though to honest conversations with God and with your pastor, because uh, both of them are protecting you and are over you. And you can trust, you can trust God. Through that, you can submit to your pastor. And uh, so there's encouragement there. I don't know if that answered your question. It's good. Any other questions? Yeah. You say that being single has benefited you in church planting. Yeah. Okay. So the question was, how has being single been a benefit to church planting? Uh, many ways. Yeah. I have the, the freedom and the liberty to do things that I would not otherwise have as a married person. 
um, you know, I don't, I don't have to check with my husband if I can take on something in ministry. Um, and, you know, there's pros and cons to that. Sometimes you wish that you did have that. Um, you know, I'd be like, oh, I got to talk to my husband first, you know, like, <laughs> and then just never talk to him be like, ah, oh, yeah, it's not going to work out. Um, <laughs> you do, you have freedom that other women don't have. And uh, the capacity, uh, like, you know, these pictures, uh, a lot of these people that have been coming to our church are young people. They've got like weird hours of free time. Like Nicole's best hours are from like 8 p.m. to like midnight. I don't know how she does all of that, but you know, uh, that's like when we did discipleship because she would always work so late. And so I was like, all right. But if I had kids to put to bed, like, you know, or even just a husband, like organizing that type of a meeting schedule would have been so difficult. So, you know, for the city that I'm in, like being single has been a, a good thing in this season. I think not something that I necessarily wanted uh, all the time, but I have moments of clarity where I'm thankful for it. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think it has been a big benefit to the team because um, there's just flexibility that I have that my other team members don't have. And so, and I can be of help to them too through that. Like just being able to be of help to Meredith, she's got so much on her plate, guys. Like Mike and Meredith both. I don't know how they're like living. <laughs> if I can take a small piece of that off their plate, like that, that's encouraging to me too. That's like, okay, I'm actually helpful here. Like God is using me and that's a good thing. So I hope that was that an answer. Okay, cool. With that, uh, how do you personally support them well like as mm. the pastor and pastor's wife yeah doesn't feel especially with things that close to them what what have you personally done over the past few years to help them wow yeah uh so the question was how do you help your pastor and his wife um good question um yeah so something that i had learned many years ago from watching lucy she would always talk about how much is on Astrid's plate and how her as the single lady, she was like, I just really want to help. Like, this might sound weird, but like, you know, as, as your pa you want to help the pastor's wife help the pastor, you know, because it's her job. Her ministry is to help her husband. Uh, and your job as a church member is to help your pastor and to help his, his wife, you know, because that blesses him. And so... For me, uh, you know, honestly, I probably could have done better uh, at helping them. I was really going through the pit of despair. And so there were a lot of opportunities I've probably missed over the last few years. Also, I'm not very good with kids. Like, this is, <laughs> I'm just being real. Like, babysitting is not my forte. Praise God, Isabel is like the child whisperer. And so she's been helped in that regard. <laughs> but, um, but I think for... For Mike and Meredith, just taking small things off their plate, like, can I plan the next event that we're having? Or can I, um, I'll take care of all of the church invitations. Like, don't worry about that. I've got that. I'll get the signs for the event. Like, and things that Lucy shared with me, like, you know, she'll, she texts me, like, when the, the weird stuff you never thought you'd be doing happens. She texts me one day. She's like, just ordered the church urinals. Like, <laughs> never thought I'd be doing that, you know? And so you, you get to do those kind of weird things that just take time. And you're like, why don't I, I'll, I'll take that from you. Like, so every now and then when we first moved there, I would just ask Mike 
I'd text, you know, him and Meredith and be like, what can I take off your plate? You know, what's something that I can do that's kind of, because, you know, your pastor, he's got this long list of things. And then people from your field start coming to the church and they've got crazy lives. Like, you know, they've got messes to untangle and lots of counseling to happen. And so your pastor's focused on that, you know, and he should be. And so the kind of the administrative things of the church, those are some of the things that we can, we can do that. Yeah, I can help with budget things and like the things that he doesn't need to worry about uh, because he's worried about, you know, the spiritual things, the the real reason why we moved there, you know. So we can do some of those things for them to kind of free up their time and hopefully allow them to have space for their family, you know. But yeah. 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 I'm just trying to help my husband as, you know, the weight of the world on his shoulders and yeah. pressure and that type of situation for him. You're in a pit of despair. I'm doing a million things, but it's still my job to help you too. Mm. What are things that you needed and you were, it was hard to reach out and say, because you see the need for everybody else. Like, yeah. how can I recognize that and then help those ladies? Yeah. Awesome question. Okay. So the question was on the flip side, as the pastor's wife, how do you help the singles on your team? Um, let me just brag on Meredith a little bit, because she has been awesome in this regard. Um, when I first moved there, I was living in their basement, and my my aunt passed away uh, not long after I got there. And it was something that was pretty sudden, and I, I couldn't make it back for the funeral. And I was a mess over that. Um, yeah, and, and around the same time, uh, a lot of you in here probably know Lydia Powers. Her mom passed away that fall too. And she was like a second mom to me. And so these were some of the things in the pit that were happening that God was kind of stretching me because, you know, those are two things I really wanted to come back for. And I, and I couldn't. And so I remember after hearing the news of my, my aunt, I went upstairs and um, Meredith could tell something was wrong and I just lost it. And Meredith and I weren't that close at the time. Like I, I knew her at, in Kansas city, but we hadn't really like been in ministry together before moving. And so uh, she gave me a hug and I just, that was all I needed was just knowing that she's there and that she understood I was in the pit, you know, and she, she was with me, you know, she hugged me, she cried with me and we prayed together and that was it. Like, honestly, that is encouraging. Um, and then another thing that she's done is, uh, Every now and then we'll get lunch or bubble tea. I really like bubble tea. So you guys in Portland <laughs> go grab vegan food or whatever they have there. I don't know. <laughs> I'm really sorry for you guys. Are you are you a vegan? Oh, you God has prepared you. God has prepared you then. That is good. My, when I first moved to Boston, everyone that I met was vegan. And I was like, Lord. <laughs> I don't know if this is going to work out, but uh, then Adam and Heidi were vegan for a while. I was like, what is happening? What in the world? Even my own people. But uh... <laughs> oh, man. but just, you know, grabbing food with them. And like, I know that that's hard when you have kids and you have responsibilities and that can't always happen. And so, you know, the single people on the team understand that. Um, but even just a text. Uh, Meredith and I still 
every now and then she'll send me like what she read in the Bible that morning. She'd be like, I'm just thinking about you, read this. And that's encouraging to me. And it, it makes me feel connected with her. Um, and then another thing I remember pretty vividly. So Nicole lives down the street from me. She has been a huge encouragement because um, we finished discipleship and she's growing and it's awesome. Uh, but she lives on her own as well. Her family doesn't live in Boston. She's from Chile originally. Um, she's in Chile right now, and I'm kind of jealous about that. But um, but she and I have a deal where if we host family or a friend and then they leave the, that night or the next day, we go out to eat or we get bubble tea together. Like, we just know we're going to need someone after you feel the, the empty nest of you just hosted someone that you care about and then they're gone. And then the next day you're sitting in your apartment alone and it feels really empty because you just hosted them. Um, and so I remember there's one time when, uh, Nicole's family had just visited, visited and she, and they left. And so I knew, okay, I need to stop by, uh, and see her. And she had texted me and she was going through it. You know, it's kind of emotional day for her. Um, and so I was like, I'm going to swing by, but Meredith's coming over and we're going to get lunch. So do you mind if Meredith comes too? And Nicole's like, that's totally fine. Like, you know, blessing. So Meredith and I go over and, uh, I'm kind of. I hope Nicole's okay with me sharing this. You know, we're girls. Everyone's emotional. Nicole was pretty emotional. And so we just hugged and uh, gave her some space to cry it out. And we prayed together. And we got her, like, a bubble tea. And you know, bubble tea really heals heart. I'm just going to say, like, this is like, I probably should have made a whole slide. Guys, I can't have uh, milk because I'm lactose intolerant because of America. And so, but the bubble tea places in Boston have started using lactate milk. So I can have the milk tea now. More healing to the heart. But um, so we brought, so we went over there and Meredith got to see this happen. And afterwards we were walking to the Taiwanese restaurant we were going to. And Meredith just started tearing up because she didn't know. Like she didn't know that that's what we went through. And she meant, she told me that she's like, I, I didn't know that it was this difficult for, for you when you're alone, you know? And, uh, and, and so I think that through that, we got closer, she understood better. And, uh, that was really sweet to me just that she knew, you know? Um, so I don't know if that's anything concrete, but yeah, praise God. Any more questions? So you were kind of coming towards yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I'm not a fan of public speaking. I get really nervous. Uh, oh, the question: How does it feel now after going through? at least like this part of the graph. <laughs> um, and speaking here, what, what does that feel like? Uh, kind of weird, honestly, uh, still processing a lot of what's happened. And um, honestly, for me, uh, I'm just gonna be really honest with you guys. Like I've talked to other missionary ladies about this Sometimes it's hard for me to encourage people I care about to go because I know what they're going to go through. But the only thing that is encouraging through it all is I know that their relationship with God is going to get 
so much deeper. And so that's the only reason why I can present to you guys and encourage people to go is because I know it's going to be good for their relationship with the Lord. And, you know, he created us to bring him pleasure. Like he created us to have a relationship with him. And so they're fulfilling their purpose on life just by getting closer to God. And so I want that for, for, for you guys. I want you guys to experience that. Um, and, and I'm hoping that this is encouraging because, uh, because you're not alone. Like you have God and you also have people. Like I, I want to just make it known that I know that you're going through the pit and it will be okay. Um, so it is weird talking about it. At, you know, that was kind of a, one of my hesitations of saying yes to share was, am I too fresh from the pit? <laughs> uh, and, um, but I, I think that God is, has prepared, uh, and really, honestly, like most of the stuff that I shared today has been things that he's just been bringing to mind throughout this week being at this conference. So, um, I think, yeah, so weird, but good, but you know, <laughs> praise God. Yeah. Any other questions? Today was one of the things you're the most grateful for, one of the preparations that you did prior to going that you used the most or you were the most grateful for. Yeah. Okay. One of the things I was most grateful for in preparation for going. Um, you know, One thing that I didn't experience in at Midtown that I did experience there was um, a lot of ministry heartbreak. So this isn't really, this is like the opposite of your question. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm not very good at answering questions. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Um, but I knew, I saw other people go through that. Um, and I knew how they dealt with that. Uh, the first two ladies I was paired with to disciple in Boston both quit. One of them, we were halfway through the lesson. It was someone that I had got, I got the leader to the Lord. Like it was really sweet and I was really excited. She like was, we were, you know, reading in Ephesians about how salvation's by grace through faith and not of works. And she comes from a Catholic background. She was like, I'm so mad at the Catholic church for teaching me it's by works. Like, you know, and she was like real fired up and all this stuff. And, uh, and so I was year grow uh and then she quit and it was devastating and you know i feel like the pit got deeper that that season <laughs> and uh i hadn't experienced that at home and i kind of wished i had like i kind of wished that i had experienced a ministry heartbreak like that before going uh, the one person i had to invest in and then she was gone i was like okay well I don't have like whole Bible study of other girls to invest in. And so uh, that was difficult. But um, another thing that was huge was um, I went through Deb Mulder's emotional victory. I'd, I've been through that like so many times. Tish, how many times have you done it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I went with it. I went with through it with Deb. Like before it was the book, it was just, you know, just her personal study that she shared with ladies. And I think I went through it in person three times. And then I went through it on my own a couple more times. And that was huge. Just learning, learning how to deal with your emotions and how emotions are 
God gives us emotions. And so sometimes they're used for good and learn how to pray through things. And like, she's got uh, an exercise uh, in her book that she talks about where, and it's kind of weird. Uh, it's a dub thing, but you know, like you, you set up a chair across from you and the way that she does it, she turns the lights out. I think that's weird. I keep the lights on, but <laughs> to each their own, you know? Uh, and then you just pretend like Jesus is sitting there and you just talk to him. And, uh, and so I remembered that when I was in Boston and I had probably never done that in Kansas city. I wasn't a very good, uh, dub <laughs> never did her exercise in Kansas city, but I did it in Boston. Cause I was like, maybe it works. So, <laughs> so I'll try this out. So one of those blue chairs that has made it everywhere, uh, Jesus was sitting in the blue chair, right? And uh, so every morning I'd, I'd go in the living room and I'd talk to him, and uh, which sounds so weird, guys. But then it got to the point where uh, like I'd be, you know, like getting ready in the morning. I'd be like, oh, I gotta go to the living room because I gotta talk to Jesus. And I'm like, wait a second. That's not, he's not actually sitting there. Like, right, like not sit in the chair because it's Jesus' chair, you know? So... <laughs> It's like, I'm just going to sit on the couch. And I, but that exercise, what, like learning that and learning things in the emotional study, like, yeah, I've gone back to that several times and I needed that. Uh, so that was a huge, like, and I think for single ladies, like stuff like that is, is huge. Yeah. Praise God. Cool. All right. Most valuable. No, I don't know. Thank you. <laughs> no, don't go. Don't leave me up here. Come up here. There's a reason that they asked you to come up here, not me. Um, most valuable prep was probably my relationship with the Lord, but also the things that I went through through Midtown and prepping for ministry that I had no idea that that's what God was actually doing um, of just being in ministry and engaging in those relationships with pastors or pastor's wives and just not mimicking that, but just having that be natural with Mark and Astrid. But then also realizing, um, God bless Lucy. <laughs> Because there was a time when she was there alone before I moved and we were best friends and we would talk a lot. And that time prepped me. That was before Midtown really had like a missions prep class. And Lucy kind of walked me through that. We didn't know that that's what God was doing at the time, but Lucy and I um, were able to pray with one another. And then I realized, okay, like I already knew I was going, but I can't live with Lucy co-labor and ministry with Lucy, have Lucy be my best friend and co-labor and ministry and expect for that relationship to be in unity. And so what God laid on my heart was, hey, uh, you need to get some more friendships. Um, through Midtown, When <laughs> um, leadership is lonely because if you're gonna stick to the word and the Bible is gonna be your authority for everything, you're not gonna be popular or whatever that word is. I don't know what I'm, you know, it, it's not going to be something that rolls off the tongue very well. I mean, yes, truth and love is very important, but, um, so through my friendships at Midtown, I had seen a lot of people 
fall and not be at Midtown anymore. And so I was really, I mean, I had friends that were here for examples and to look up to, but um, so God had really laid on my heart, um, Jeanette and Linda and GCU. And it's pretty crazy how God has worked everything out. But now Jeanette, you know, so we were constant conversation and we're still in constant conversation today as we pray for Nairobi. Um, and so I think that was probably the coolest thing that I saw God set up was prep of preparing for that loneliness. No, it first is the Lord and having that quiet time, but then the blessing of what God can give us through um, relationships um, is pretty sweet. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you're interested in learning more about the Living Faith Fellowship, visit lffellowship.com. God bless.